When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who's been running around Brighton shouting, Stag! 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 <laughs> it's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Is, is, is that your, that's your imagination of what happens on a stag? Do I, is, that, is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a thing. Okay, all right. Not, we, not in uh, your case. We shot him with with paintballs a lot instead, and and slapped him about, and that. Did you make him dress up? Yeah, yeah. So for paintball, he wore a bright banana, a high vis jacket, and a sex doll, which acted as something of a shield, but also brought him to our attention from a distance. Nice. Seems fair. I've been on a stag. I haven't been on a stag do for ages. I need. Oh, everybody's married. I need someone. I need someone to get married. Windy, get married so we can have a stag do. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'd be quite like that. <laughs> it's not really it's your not, decision mate exactly <laughs> you've already confirmed what's happening to you you're getting shot mate <laughs> um i don't know what i'm really excited i'm really looking forward to talking i'm i'm still buzzing after after the fun of saturday uh but as usual let's do our sort of admin stuff up front um, so i mentioned in last week's podcast that we've got a headline sponsor for march and since then, we've also got some interested parties for April, which is really, which is really great. Really happy about that. Um, but we are quite um, aware that we offer a valuable space here for brands to market their products or goods or services. Um, and I've also been thinking for a little while about the sort of network that we've created and the, the t- types of people that contact us offering stuff. Um, and, and we've got an opportunity here to connect like-minded people. And so where we don't have a paid sponsor, I've, th- I've thought what we can do... Uh, is use this space to signal boost some charities and initiatives that we believe in. And this week, I got an email completely out of the blue from a lady called Rosanna from a charity called Literacy Pirates, which is an after-school club based in Tottenham, or one of their branches is based in Tottenham. And that made me sit up and take notice. And so I arranged a call with her at the earliest opportunity, and we got talking and I really, really, really like the sound of the charity and the work they do. And so I decided there and then to hit record. And Rosanna was absolutely wonderful. And you'll hear that chat at the end of the podcast. Please, please listen. 
their initiative is brilliant. It's really interesting. It's really novel. Um, but if you, for whatever reason, don't make it to the end of the podcast, do check them out at literacypirates.org. And uh, they are looking for volunteers to help out at their after school club. But also any financial backing would be really appreciated. They do a great thing. They improve literacy for, for children in the Tottenham area, particularly focused on young black boys. Um, and they do incredible work. And it's very rewarding to, to sort of volunteer for charities like this. I know that from my own experience. So would definitely urge, urge you to have a look at their website, literacypirates.org. On Patreon this week, uh, Bardi and I did a lovely post-City Q&A. Just, we were in such good spirits, weren't we, Bardi? So we, we thought, mm-hmm. jump on and talk to the ex-subs. It was great. They were Of course, everyone was in good mood. And it was really nice to get other people's views and opinions and just kind of share that kind of... Um, Share that happiness. It's been a while since a since as, as a Spurs fan base we've had that collective happiness like of, at that level. So yeah, it was really it was really nice. It was it was and great engagement from everyone as well. Oh yeah, like you say, everyone was just jubilant. Basically, um, you also did a a stream this week, Bardi. Didn't go so well. Yeah, no, it didn't go so well. Um, played five, one zero, drew one, <laughs> lost four. We could score some goals, so we scored eight goals in five games, but we um, can't defend. So <laughs> I, I think maybe this would last one more game session before they fire me. Who's in your defence? It's a bunch of Argentinians I've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> that, I've never heard of them. That, that's why you considered 14 goals then, isn't it? Because every single Argentinian is either on loan somewhere, so I can't buy them, or they've just moved somewhere, so they can't buy. I can't buy them. So I've I've got a load of jokers, and I such poor squad planning that Lanzini's in my squad doesn't even have a shirt number because he can't. <laughs> I've got four players that I spent maybe a hundred twenty million pounds on that just not playing because I messed up my squad. It's it's a it's an absolute mess, and the sooner I get fired. <laughs> The sooner we can move on, I can move on with my life. Get Funes Mori in at the back. I have him. He's terrible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason why you've considered 14 goals. Uh, Lataro Martinez scores maybe five of my eight nice. goals. Uh, everybody else can, can't do anything. They're rubbish. <laughs> All I, I have Lamella. Someone convinced me to buy Lamella. Rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and Bardi, you did a, a sort of a mini blog on... on booing yeah i just felt there was things i didn't come across with very well last week when i was talking about booing and it kind of kicked off on twitter so i thought i would write a little mini blog for for our patrons on on booing and how it's it's a form of expression for for english fans we're not very mobilized and not very united we're never going to make big banners and organize ultras or march through the streets with a coffin or deliver carrots outside the training ground so we boo that's what we have and i read someone shared a really interesting article about the philadelphia boo as well and how they, they they're known to boo and it's just something it's just part of their culture so on on the topic of booing we got um uh, an email from paul nelson who said guys we've always been a fan base that boos i've been going to spurs for 35 years and i've lost count of the time the boos have rung out at half time and or full time even every time one of our players touched the ball, Vinnie Samways in the nineties, for example, I remember a train journey on the way back to back from Liverpool in the nineties, following a four 0 defeat, when I had the pleasure to sit next to a guy who watched the double team, and he spent the whole journey telling me stories about Spurs in the sixties. I'll never forget him telling me and my mate that the shelf would boo the team in the sixties if they were not two goals up in the first twenty minutes. We couldn't believe it, bearing in mind the team we were growing up with um, was often flirting with relegation. We are, and it would seem, always have been a demanding fan base, regardless of the standard of the team. I can recall booze during Poch's time. We clearly didn't realise how lucky we were. 
I, I, this is such a great email, and it was something that we spoke about. Our oh, new fans entitled, and it goes, it goes to show it's been that way always. As a Spurs fan base, we've always wanted more than we've got, and that does lead to booing. Vinny Samway's got it pretty bad. Uh, Vinny Sideways, they used to call him. Um, and this is this booing culture is not new. It's just maybe it's louder now because of social media, and we're all digesting content after games. But it's it's always been there. We booed Pochettino plenty of times, and I think we'll continue to boo Conte at points as well. I had a good chat with Spooky about that and various other things on his Filthy Shambles podcast. Um, check out Spooky in Purgatory, his Patreon. It's really good. It's producing masses of Spurs content. And I was also on the uh, Leiden AF White Hart Lane Danish Spurs podcast with Andreas, which was a really nice conversation. Great to catch up with him. Uh, and that we've put that on our Patreon feed too. So you can check that out as well. Um, let's get stuck into City, boys. I'm, I'm gutted for Nathan that he missed seeing this game live because, and I don't know if Bardi agrees with me, this is one of my favourite ever Spurs games, I think, to watch. It was um, it was emotional. And that's I think that's the best thing about football is when, when there's drama on the pitch and it obviously it swings our way. But the, it's not just drama in the sense of last minute goals and things like that. It was high quality throughout. City played amazingly and we we had our system and we executed it amazingly. And I think that's what made this game so good. And it's kind of like someone said on Twitter, Spurs have been involved in perhaps three of the best games this season. And it, it is quite nice to think that when we started the season, we never had a shot on goal for like two months. So it's it's nice that Spurs are now equated with good and interesting football and exciting results. Nathan, you saw the lineup announced, I assume. Um, yes. The, the main item of significance, I suppose, was the return of, of Eric Dyer, which you know we've been desperate for for some time. But also Sessegnon coming in for Regulon, who unfortunately tested positive for COVID, um, and and Lucas being benched, and Kulsevsky coming in. Uh, what did you make of a lineup, Nathan? I was happy about seeing the two new players in. In starting eleven, um, I was glad because we talked before about like Sessegnon being subbed off early and stuff like that. I'm glad that that you know Sessegnon's continuing to get chances, uh, left wing back and not doing some weird right footer situation on the left. Um, and obviously, it was very good that Dyer was back. Yeah, we've. I mean, I think this game illustrated just how much we've missed Dyer. To be honest, he's been a massive, massive loss uh, because of the the competency of the the backups in the system we're playing at the moment and he was uh he was fantastic one of many who were fantastic in this game um so nathan I, I assume you've got quite a sort of cold take having watched it back not in the moment and knowing the score hmm. um, but buddy it'd be good to get your thoughts first on sort of how the match went for you obviously we we got that early goal but then the the game was quite tough to watch for the first half quite stressful to watch for the first half because it was attack against defense I think I said on the on the reaction pod that yeah it was tough and we had to be disciplined and we had to be smart and um, there was one I think there was one tackle which Hjoiberg didn't make and then you you saw Hugo came out and he just kind of smashed his fist into his hand saying <laughs> we've got to be strong like mentally as well as physically and um, I'm not going to apologise for Hjoiberg but I th- probably we should address it that I thought he played really good I thought he he was really useful. Um, he remains a very good player out of possession. He's able to to block spaces and, and get in, get his tackles in. But he also broke a few times and um, was pretty useful on the counter attack. So he he did play well. He had a strong game. 
He was magnificent. He was absolutely well, I, I, magnificent. I think magnificent is a bit far. I think you would probably put, until the penalty, Romero was magnificent. Dyer was magnificent. Kane was magnificent. Schoeberg was good. You know, there's, let's, let's, let's not get over the, get over the top. I, I would almost, I mean, Kane was, Kane was dreamy. Kane was at his best. And that is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, but I would be tempted to sort of say that Romero, Dyer and Huey Bear were then on a level. I thought Huey Bear was brilliant, brilliant. Just the way he um, covered space, organised the midfield, helped organise the defence. Um, City is so difficult to play against. They move you from one side of the pitch to the next and back again. And when you've got the ball, they funnel you into corners and then cut you off and make it impossible to do anything. And I thought he was really good at sort of becoming an option for a player who seemed blocked in and then playing a first-time ball to get them out of trouble and getting us on the move again. Um, really, really pleased with his performance. Really pleased with so many of the performances. I've seen um, I've seen the wingbacks getting some stick, um, and I think it's I think it's largely undeserved. I think that that. Being a wing back against City is really tough because they allow the ball to come out to the wing backs and then they press like mad and they cut off all their options. And so you essentially either have to try and dribble inside against two players or you play something up the line and hope for the best. Um, and so I, I'm really loath to criticise either of Sessegnon and, and Emerson Royale too much because I thought they both did an adequate job and especially defensively they did a really good job. Sessegnon had one moment where he switched off and Walker ran past him but it came to nothing in the end so he kind of got away with it. But I thought they both defended valiantly. Um, Nathan, we defended in a in a 5-4-1 shape which is not um, unusual. That's kind of what the 3-4-3 can look like at times. But there was definitely more of a flat back five than we've seen in other games, I thought. And I was interested in getting your thoughts on whether that might be a good method to defend against pressing teams generally. So, for example, Leeds we've got coming up. Do you think that sort of very, very flat five for one might be rolled out again? Not so much the pressing thing. I think, um, so yeah, definitely, um, definitely the, the three for three, um, Often becomes a five four one when it's pushed deep, um, but in this game especially. Um, so normally we will normally when the ball is with the opposition's centre backs, um, but like in our half, then it will be like a five two three with our with our winger sort of pushed up and and putting some pressure on on the opposition's sort of first line of possession. But here the wingers were just immediately pinned back. Um, because of course City attack across sort of five lanes of the pitch, and so it's about not letting you know, um, was it De Bruyne and um, and Silva sort of pick up in the in the channels and blocking those passes in. Um, we'd spoken recently about like our vulnerability to the to the pass back to the cross from the channel, um, and I think that that helped us keep some sort of presence in in those zones, and then. Um, and then it was the central midfielders. It was Hoivier and Bentancur who were who were stepping up to help mm-hmm. Kane out, um, sort of going back and forth and just leaving our wingers helping out our wing backs and and avoid getting sort of um, doubled up on out wide. Um, so although the five four one is sort of how we defend anyway in the shape, there was definitely a lean into that shape more so than we normally see. Uh, I don't think it had much to do with with how the opposition pressed. To be honest, um, I think it's more to do with what they wanted to do in possession and, and some of the weaknesses that we've seen recently. Nice. No, so, I mean, it definitely seemed like Conte had a specific plan for City, uh, which I kind of half expected because we had a week to prepare for this one. Yeah, I, I, and I did sort of. 
yeah, I felt quite confident that we'd get something. I wasn't expecting to win. I thought we might draw against City. I thought we might kind of get a nil, get away with a nil-nil or something. Uh, but we were a constant threat on the on the counter as well. And um, I was really impressed with, aside from that kind of first 10 minutes for second half, I was really impressed with how we managed to maintain that threat throughout the game. I think there was there was something really interesting that Kane said about the the first goal and that the, the practice it had been a move they were they had practiced. Now often we mm-hmm. just think of Kane chipping over the top to Sun is is something that they've always done, but I think we were talking more about how the ball got to Kane. Yeah. So it was really great to see some of Conte's um, Conte's automations come into come to life. Yeah. So something I've been frustrated by in um, this system, the the three four three specifically, is that I think Son's really good at the ball far stuff and really not so good at the ball near stuff. And in this instance, with this particular automation, Son faints. He shapes to come and receive the ball to feet before continuing his circular run and then running in behind. Um, and as he makes that run towards the ball, Rodri comes across thinking, I'm going to stop Son getting the ball. And then that leaves space for Kane to come in behind. And I felt like that must be something they've worked on in training and identified through watching tapes of how City defend. Um, and it was just instinct. You could tell from Son, he knew what to, he was told what to do. He knew what to do. Uh, you don't make that run and then and then run uh, unless you've been specifically told to do that. I don't think so. I really, really liked that. It it kind of suited everything that I think is good about Son. Um, And obviously Kane is just immaculate with with some of his passing right now. It's incredible. Really smart, really, really smart bit of play. Um, And I I think the other point to make is where we were kind of complimenting Lucas for his ability to do the ball near stuff, you know, dropping deep, receiving the ball to feet, taking a touch, assessing his options. I, I do think he was doing some good stuff there. But when you see Kulisewski do it, you see a player who can do it at a level above what Lucas was managing. I mean, he looks so calm in possession, really good um, appreciation of timing of, you know, whether he delays or whether he plays an early ball. Um, and he's got really good ability to protect the ball as well from a player up his up his pipes. And that allows Kane to not have to be the hold-up guy constantly. Nathan, what did you think of Kolesowski's performance? Yeah, definitely, definitely a really smart performance. Um, really good, really good sort of awareness of, of everything that he wanted to do, um, offensively and defensively. I think, like you talked about, Sun getting it behind. I think there was a definite lean towards Sun being, you know, pushing towards the back line and Kulisevsky being sort of more involved deeper in the play. I also think we saw him sort of uh, move to be a wing back uh, and, and Royale tuck inside a little bit and form temporary temporary back sixes mm-hmm. uh, at times. Um, which you know, you know, very much a back, you know, box to box performance from Kulisevsky in that sense. Um, that particular move for the first goal. Um, I mean, it's everything we did, nearly everything good we did, starts with us like rolling the ball five yards to Romero. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, um, but I think uh, also Son doesn't pass there if it hasn't been drilled into him to make that pass, right? So I think. Like obviously, Sun is an incredible um, transition attacker. Obviously, um, his ability to shoot from wide angles and distances up with the very best in <laughs> the sport has seen. But still, when he's up on his own and he's wide mm-hmm. and he's far from goal and he's tripled up on, 
sometimes he needs to release the ball there and be more aware of the players around him. Um, and and that, you know, I couldn't, because this is the only bit of the game pretty much I managed to see live. I watched the first 10 minutes or so, and I could not believe he played that pass. I was shocked. <laughs> so so I bet that was part of the part of the drill, but definitely the, the whole rest of the move was, was very much a pattern prepared, wasn't it? I, I thought the pass, I don't want to be negative, but I thought the pass was him shifting responsibility. I I would never expected Son to pass there either. I think no. had Son not been a bit off the last few games, I think he sweeps that into the bottom corner himself. So I thought maybe he was shifting it across. And I, I, wasn't, fa- I wasn't a fan of it. I normally want our players to square it, but I wasn't too much of a fan of it. because I thought he gave Kulisewski a very, even though it was an empty goal, I think it was a kind of a tricky finish. And I think, I think we spoke in the post-game thing that the XG on that was kind of high as well. Uh, so the XG is lower than you'd expect. Sorry, it was lower. Yeah, it was it was like a point four or something. Um, it might have been point five. But Chris Summersell points out to me that that's because most of the XG models don't take into account where the goalkeeper is, and so they won't realise that the goalkeeper is out of his goal and is essentially just a defender to beat. Um, which I mean, even then, it's kind of yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So there's something kind of kind of quirky going on with with the expected goals on on that particular finish. I think. But Sun was great, so I don't want to be negative at all. But I did. I thought it was strange, and I didn't take it as a. But he 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 played a really good game. But I was a bit concerned that he passed it. I thought norm all of us normal Suns shoots from there, doesn't he? Yeah, although I would say um, that uh, that Kosevsky kind of he presented a really nice option because he you could say what he did. he stopped his run, didn't he? He kind of held yeah. up, and it was really intelligent from him, um, and he created himself. A, a bit of space to receive so I, I wonder if Son just kind of saw that in his peripheral vision and thought oh hang on you know there's a genuine option here because if, if Klosevsky keeps running at normal speed he's not an option at all he's he's just he's, he's in the cover shadow of a defender FB ref which takes into consideration the location of everyone at the time the shot is taken gives Klosevsky 0.6 expected goals for that shot less than a penalty which is odd, I think. I mean, he did nutmeg the defender, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, he has to go through the defender. <sighs> but I mean, still, I would have thought that was easier than a penalty, but whatever. Um, Bill Roth um, says, how about Klusevsky's ability to play in a counter-attacking lineup? I was concerned at first because I thought he lacked the pace required, but realised during the match that having another hold-up player took some pressure off Kane to be that guy. His physicality was really important in some moments where he held off defenders and allowed Kane to open up for the ball, son to release the wing backs to get up the field, etc. Yeah, I mean, I think it really mm-hmm. helped Emerson Royale a huge amount. Yeah, he, I mean, he, did, he didn't blister down the touchline, did he? And that's that's not really his game. And he's he's up against Yakinchelo for 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 most of that, and he's always going to get out of pace. But he 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 maximised the speed that he did have, and uh, and the sort of the defensive liabilities of Cancelo mm. and 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 everything else, and the width of the pitch. He was very very wide, considering mm-hmm. you know considering the positions that that the sort of Lucas has taken up this season and such. He um he he kind of had a bit of a wing back type performance, really, didn't he? Uh, I think one of the, the 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 trio that I would like to always see Spurs up counter attack with was always Ericsson, Delhi, and Kane. 
None of them are really that fast. No. But all of them are really smart with the ball. And sometimes you need to be, it's more important to be smart with the ball and than fast. And if you can if you can marry the two together, like Bale, Henri, those kind of guys, brilliant. But I think Kulusevski is super smart. And he showed that with the, the final goal. He showed that with the VAR goal. He showed it with the goal he scored. And I'm really, really happy that he he's looking he's looking the part. He he's so he's so strong and so fit, but he's also so tactically aware and flexible and intelligent. He's he's a superb player, and it's 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 a madness that we've got this guy. It's also like weird that it didn't work out for him at, at Juventus. It happens, man. They've, the, uh, killed, they've killed so many. They've killed so many wide players. That they're probably going to kill Chiesa. He was there with Allegri. It's Juventus. Juventus are. Uh, a team that do like to kill wide attacking players. It, it doesn't concern me at all because I'm super impressed by him so far. I'm really, really, really excited about... I mean, to be honest, after the first um, substitute cameo appearance he made, a lot of fans were kind of jumping on his back and saying he looked slow and awkward and cumbersome. And I was left mm. thinking he looked fine. I quite like quite liked what he offered. Um, and it's got better every, every appearance since then. I'm really, really excited about him. I think he's... Very promising. Um, Bardi, I want to get you to talk about the, the centre-backs uh, who who all worked so hard to um, to keep the score down. It was brilliant. I thought Dyer gave a really, really good performance, not just with the ball, but just his positioning and his ability to kind of just get his face in the way or get his body in the way, plus his organisation. And he, he just, with Romero to his right, he, he's got a really decent out ball and Spurs can rely on that. We can build from the back because we have a defender who's who's great on the ball. And um, he had one sloppy pass, but that was it. Other than that, he was immaculate. Um, I was concerned when he, he clashed heads with someone, not not for him, but for the, the person he smacked with his head. It's just a, it's a big old lump he's got there. Um, but he played great. It is lovely to have him back. And we spoke a couple of weeks ago that some players get better when they're injured and he's come back and he's matched our expectation and he really helped us. And Nathan Romero is just so good on the ball, isn't he? He's ridiculous. He really is. I um, I don't know. I I just think we've done such incredible business there. I really had. I I saw. Huh, I thought about this player when we were linked to him. The 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 was it fifty million? And I was thinking like, okay, yeah, there's there's a really high upside potential here, but there's there's a big risk about how he might how he might move to Spurs. But what I didn't think is that he would just instantly realize that potential and just immediately become one of the best center backs in the world like i i i put i keep him behind van dyke and that's it <laughs> that's it i think that's it in the premier league um he's absurd he's still he so young he's got so much still to still yeah. to give it and if we've got betanko romero kulusevsky kane son all of a sudden the team is little by little improving nima messaged after the game saying how are you feeling now about conte and i've said I do believe we will have games where we lose and it will be it will almost seem like we're going backwards but all overall we we are improving overall we we're, we're getting where we need to be but of course it's not as fast as as we all want but I think this definitely this January we had two brilliant players and the team is looking good yeah there's there's one thing that we need to discuss which is a little bit of a negative and that is Hugo's moment Got a couple of questions. So uh, Ivan Victor says, I have a question about Hugo. It occurred to me that perhaps he's still a bit tenuous when it comes to his body after his Brighton injury. The Wolves mistakes and the City mistake were all in situations where his body was on the line. Hmm. What do you think? I know we can never be in someone else's head. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to tell for sure. Um, And in this instance, it it seemed to me that he was trying to sort of claim the ball, pull the ball into his chest 
uh, to claim it and just completely misjudge the flight. Um, but Bard, do you think there's something in that potentially that he's he's nervous about getting hurt again? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think there's anything in that. He he just made a just made a, an error coming out for the ball in a in a crowded place. Um, it, to, to be I honest, don't think this is he, he's never been the absolute best at coming for the ball, has he? No, no, I don't think this is a, a terminal problem. I think it's it's a handling error, um, and it's just a little bit sloppy. I'm just I just want to just want to look back at it just to try and figure out where where it went wrong. But yeah, it just. It just got it all. There was many, many legs there, and it's just, it's just a technical flaw that's happened. Mm. I don't think it's, I don't think it's long term. Yeah, uh, maybe there's, maybe there's something to the idea that he's sort of protecting his body a little more. But I think those mistakes have always been there, similar ones. Mm. I also think that if you give up seventy percent possession to Man City over the course of ninety minutes, then they're going to have a couple of goals. That's just kind of a given. Like you're going to give up a lot of shots they're gonna you know create good chances and they're gonna score goals and it's 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 um i don't know like again i've sort of made this point before but like i i I was super super critical of the way that we gave up possession so much under Mourinho, and we are still doing it now and we are conceding goals from doing that now um but what we do when we have the ball what we did when we had the ball in that game was just consistently magnificent um and 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 Harry Kane especially is absurd. I think again, I'll, I'll make one last <laughs> reference to Mourinho is that like Harry Kane has always been an, an incredible passer and technician and everything else, despite the fact that like every six months one of the major newspapers writes a piece about how Kane has developed his game, and that's never really been true. But what we did see under Mourinho was the use of his technical skills to be sort of um, uh, this sort of linchpin for counterattacks. Um, and him playing the ball over the top to Son. What we're seeing now is that he's fit again. He's playing that ball over the top, and then he's catching up with the play and getting back on the end of like the cross afterwards. And isn't just sort of standing around in midfields w- w- watching it happen because he 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 looks sharp. He looks maybe looks a little slimmer. Although I I do find it slightly uncomfortable to comment on those kinds of things. Um, but he definitely looks sort of like fresher and moving more easily. And and uh, and and look at what a player he is for it. I think this was one of Kane's best ever Spurs performances. Um, it was very. It reminded me a lot of the Liverpool game at Wembley, which has always been for me one of his standout performances. It was kind of that little bit of everything in in his game. Really strong all round performance. His finish, his finish for 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 his first goal was was really difficult, and he made it look so easy, which is classic Kane. I mean, he does that. He does that so often, like takes on a ridiculously difficult skill and makes it look simple. Um, the 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 leap and the anticipation for the winner, the way he kind of got up above Kyle Walker, and it was just uh, that's mine moment. There was no <laughs> way anyone was beaten yeah. to that ball. It's like he turned beast mode on, and uh, and <laughs> and, it, and it worked out <laughs> perfectly. Uh, I loved it. I just. <laughs> He he's he's one of the best passers in the league. Yeah. He he is the best finisher in the league. Yeah. And having both of those qualities in one player is ridiculous. Um his hold up play was majestic. His one touch stuff was great. There was leadership skill there as well. <sighs> what more can we say about that performance? He was he was ma- absolutely magnificent from start to finish. We we wouldn't have won that game without Harry Kane. I think he is I think he's just he's at his best right now. I think he's played well for the last couple of games, despite not scoring, despite us not winning. I think we're going to see him continue on this level. I really do. I think Conte's on to something. And as Nathan said, it's like he's he saw he he 
we had his elite finishing for um, Kane under Pochettino. We had his really impressive um, dropping deep and assisting things under Mourinho. And Kane's looking at those and going, well, why not both? And that is a, a lovely, lovely position to be in. Would you accept 75 million plus 25 million in bonuses to Santa City? No. <laughs> no. No, that's not enough money. No, because because I think the only way we achieve anything under Antonio Conte is if we've got Harry Kane. And so I think we see it out now until Conte's gone and then we make a decision. Or we sign, we sign Lukaku from Chelsea because that's really not working for him there. I don't even want to talk about Kane leaving. I don't want to even... Like, he's been so good. I just don't want to even contemplate the idea of him not being around anymore. Um, so when when the... When, let's talk about the drama. Let's talk about the drama and the spectacle of the whole thing. So obviously we missed we missed the chance through Kane. Really good chance. Uh, you would expect him to, to score that chance, actually. And then obviously we had the goal ruled out through offside, which was, which was fair. Uh, but when when those things happen normally against a team like City, you just sort of think, "Yep, seen this one before." They're going to go straight up the other end. They're going to score, and we're going to regret the missed opportunities. Uh, and and it didn't go that way, Bardi. We we got our moment. Well, City were spoiled little children. They had a real <laughs> pout. They had real pout on throughout the game, especially um, especially De Bruyne. He was he was really in a bad mood, and he was swanning around, kicking people, pushing people over. And the referee just kind of let him do whatever he wanted. And I, and that was when the alarm bell started ringing for me that they're itching to give a penalty. And it was just, they were just waiting for the waiting for the chance um, to do it. And finally they got it. And it, it was a penalty. It was really unfortunate. But the ball, it, his it hands was, was in it. Unnat- yeah. yeah, it was just in an unnatural place. His whole kind of action of dropping to the floor just naturally put his hand up. And it's, yeah. it's it was a sad one to take. Um, I, had to, I did think Lloris was going to save it. I just thought Lloris was going to cover cover up for his mistake. It's a hell of a but, strike, wasn't it? It was a bit of a penalty. It was, yeah. Yeah, Mares is um he's a pretty mean penalty taker. To go, you know, with that much pressure on you to go top corner is something and uh yeah, he put it away well. But you're right, I, I it we do get that sense of foreboding. It's not just Tottenham. Sometimes no. you do watch a game and you're like, that's a big chance. That goes in, it's all over. So I was holding my breath expecting I mean it's Man City, man. They don't lose games. They they don't drop points even. And I was expecting the rally. And when they scored, what was quite nice about it is that all the commentators were like, Oh well, City are gonna go and win it now. <laughs> and then for Spurs to switch it on them. That's that's where I think the most joy comes from a lot of us because it was it, it was written. Everybody said, Here they go, seven minutes. Minutes to go, City will win the game, but we didn't do that. We we unspursied ourselves and we went and, and won it. There, there were a couple of moments in the the winning goal that I want to talk about. I mean, firstly, I, I tweeted about this, but Romero's um, touches in that goal were great. Yeah, I just but before you even get to Romero, I think there was something in the mentality of Tottenham in those in those minutes where they didn't settle for the point mm, and they didn't mm. go, oh shit, we're under we're under pressure here, let's drop and just see it out. There was something really brave in how they played and they just believed that they could go and score another goal. Absolutely, completely agree, and uh, I think Romero sort of typified that with with his mm. actions leading up to the goal. Just the ability to take a touch and assess things and not rush into a pass that goes straight out to a player who then gets blocked off. It's like, no, actually, I'm going to assess, I'm going to play forward, I'm going to play break the lines, basically. And that was that was yeah. really important to the goal. Uh, and then once the goal had gone in, Klesevsky, bless him, did not celebrate because I guess he was thinking, well, you know, it might be Vard again. <laughs> it might be ruled mm. out for another offside against me, so... Um, he waited, and then when it was confirmed, he charged over to join the celebrations, which is 
which is really lovely. But Antonio Conte's celebration as well was was pretty mm. special to watch. And it was really nice that it was Romero to Betancourt, Kulisewski, all involved in that winning goal, all playing Conte-style football. And that's that's really nice. I don't think we've given the second goal enough credit. That was a beautiful, beautiful move that we worked it from the back. It, it wasn't just um, uh, a rope-a-dope. It was a proper possession movement from the back all the way forward. And we scored a, lo- a lovely cross, lovely finish. I just thought we, we should just touch on how great that was. They're ready. They're ready. Ready? Yes. Who's ready? <laughs> it's a Conte reference. He talked, yes, the interview last week. Oh, okay, yes. okay. Yeah, Bentanko, Kluseski. Oh, yeah. sorry. I'm with, <laughs> oh my God. It's still, yeah, until you said the names, I was like, what's he going on about? <laughs> they are ready players. It's yeah, great. And okay. they've still got a higher ceiling. Uh, here's, a, here's a translation for you then, Vardy. Because I, I, uh, he, he, talked, he talked in that interview. This is the only bit about the interview I'm interested in talking about at all, right? Mm. He talked in that interview about um, them being young players who are perfect for what Spurs want to do, but rather than players who are highly experienced and are ready, right? Mm. And then at the end of that uh, uh, answer, he says, um, Il discorso. Questo il discorso. Questo yeah. il discorso. How would yeah. you translate that? I, I, I think... It's um this is this is what we do. This is this is how mm. we how we operate. This is how it's done. This is the situation. But this is, this the, is the situation. This is the yeah. discourse, I, it sounds like. It's yeah. not discourse. That's yeah. that's um it's that's not, too a, it's not yeah, it's not an, it's not too aggressive. This is this is this is the situation, but in a better way. But I do think there needs to be some understanding here regarding what classified as ready in Italian football. So for example, if Italy have a good 18, 19 year old, he doesn't play for the national team ever. Until he's until he's moved out of his parents' home when he's like twenty four, <laughs> twenty five, when he's really old, you know, Zaniolo is a really young player for the Italian national team. He's bloody twenty two. Chiesa is still a young player because that's just the way they see footballers in Italy. They're not in England. You guys throw you take Theo Walcott to a World Cup. Why you take Jude Bellingham to sit on the bench? But let them play under 21's football. Let them make their bones. And that's that's also the thing. Italy, your players are ready at 25, 26. They don't use youngsters that often. Useful context. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, I, I think um, I think the, the good vibes that this performance and result bring are just perfect right now. I tried to yeah. put across in the pod last week that 
that not all was bad. You know, we, like we were outplayed by Southampton comprehensively, but the performance against Wolves was really not that bad and it wasn't the end of the world. And I still maintain that top four was on and definitely now is on. Um, and I think people just need to sort of just calm down a little bit. When it's when we lose a game, it's not the end of the world. And when we win a game, it's, doesn't, it doesn't mean everything's changed either. What we played against City was a completely different style of football to what we'll play in our next game against Burnley, where we're expected to have the ball for probably 65% of the time, we're going to have to play a completely different style and it might look a bit clunky again. It's possible that we we might have sure. to gr- really grind it out. Um, and so just to sort of maintain a little bit of perspective on things, um, but I, I would say that if, if Southampton and Wolves, those two matches, which were not enjoyable, if they left us feeling a, a bit under the weather... Then, then definitely the City match provided a sort of a honey and lemon drink, perhaps even with a drop of whiskey in there as well. And um, we should all feel a little bit better for that performance, I think. I was, um, I've was i been chatting with Jack, uh, a.k.a. to Trunk recently. Um, and he's, he's, have, he's been having a hard time with Conte. He has, yeah. And I was talking to him uh, and I was sympathetic to his position. I was saying, like, obviously, like, yeah, he is obviously an incredible manager, but like, and, and Jack was comparing it to sort of our time on Pochettino. And I said, yeah, but like, the vibes aren't there yet. Um, as good as he is, the, the feeling isn't the same. And I think that this was, even though I didn't watch it live, this was a big st- step in the direction of vibes, which, which really are massively important, right? Football isn't all about trophies. The vibes, mm-hmm. the vibes are considerable. And I think that this is, um, this is a big vibes occasion for us. How, how many trophies would you swap the vibes for Nathan? No, I, I agree. I think the thing is under Pochettino, it, it, we knew it was a, a longer term thing. We knew that it was going to take some time. There was a style that was going to take at least a season to implement. And so it was a slow burn. People didn't love him straight away. They really didn't. There was a lot of um, unhappiness. <laughs> there probably was some booing if we, if we think about it. I mean, there was a lot of unhappiness. You could definitely see the improvements week on week on week and you could see what he was trying to attempt to do but it took a, it took a while for it to click and with Conte okay he's a completely different style of manager you know the he he the type of football he's implementing is different it's not um philosophy based it is you do this and you do this <laughs> it's 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 much more specific and so we can implement it more quickly but it's like we're watching it's like everything's being fast forwarded in content so you're not going to have the same level of attachment also he doesn't talk about us in the same way he doesn't have the same sort of warmth towards the fans Conte is is someone who uh, will stay at your club for a fleeting amount of time and he'll give you hopefully some glory in that time and then he'll leave and we probably won't feel the the sense of longing or attachment for him but we'll certainly feel that if he wins as a trophy we'll, we'll feel that sort of longing and sense of attachment to what he produces when he's at the club and I think if, if you accept that then it becomes um, easier to process I, I just don't think we're going to have that same sort of sense of um, dad, basically. <laughs> I remember, um, I think two different seasons early in the season, home games against Everton and Stoke under Pochettino, 
where going into both occasions, it was like, right, here we go. Uh, the results haven't been coming our way so far, but you can see what we're getting towards. I think it's going to click into gear, like really, really positive, really expecting a result. And then I think both were draws or maybe the Stoke game was a loss. I can't even remember now. And being really disheartened over those games, thinking that my beliefs were, were, were false and that actually we were still a bad team. But then after that, bouncing back and getting going again, I definitely liken the recent games against Wolves and Southampton to those sort of little stumbles on the way to, to where we are meant to be I, mean, I get quite defensive over Conte I think I don't think there's many groups of, of fans of teams that he supported that, that dislike him he's, he's been successful everywhere he goes and I just think the difference between him and Pochettino is Pochettino was a nobody when he arrived he had sure. no baggage he had nothing attaching him to anybody mm-hmm. else we didn't know anything about him he, the man had never even spoken a word of English to the press before so Pochettino had that mystery and we gave him time to kind of develop something and there's always going to be more feeling towards that but I think I think Conte is a great manager I think he's probably going to do some things which will ruffle some feathers but it'll always be moving forward I don't think the team is going to become will be weaker when he leaves than what it than the team that he he joined I think he's do he will do great things with us and a fleeting amount of time what what's classified as fleeting like one two years he'll be here free I'm sure he'll do three four years at the club I'm kind of feeling um, that at the moment yeah I think I, I this is he's never had this project Tottenham has always been a really appealing club to people which is why we have managed to appoint Mourinho and why we managed to appoint Conte but there's something there man it's a proper project if you were going to play football manager and you wanted something to work with you would take this team because money where it is everything else there's really something there if you if you make Tottenham win you're probably the greatest manager that's ever existed <laughs> I mean, I I totally agree with the sort of narrative of untapped potential. I think that's something we've spoken about many times before. I mean, I really believe that there are there are good players at the club who have been underperforming, and and I I really think that Conte can get a tune out of a lot of them. I I really do. I think he's brilliant. I think he's absolutely brilliant. I'm excited. Don't call him a bellend then. Keep stay uh, stay. He but he's a bit of a bellend <laughs> as well. I mean, he's this this is the thing. So. I mean, I don't want to go into the interview that he did because I've, I've talked about it to Death with Spooky on his podcast and Nathan, you've tweeted about it a lot, I know. And But I mean, my point about that interview is he just didn't need to say, he didn't need to say anything that he said. And I, I don't think anything was wrong at all. I, I, Conte I, doesn't say anything that doesn't need to be said. Everything he exactly. says needs to be said. Exactly. It needs to be said. Exactly. And he says it. It needs to yeah. be said from Conte's perspective, regardless of whether it's useful for the club to have it out there. And that's why I think he's a bit of a bellend. He's, he's kind of, <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's just being a little bit naughty, a little bit mischievous. He thinks he's going to get his weight on something in the long term. And maybe he will, and maybe it'll help. Um, but I can't, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, that, that Levy's banned him talking to the Italian media now because of the mistranslations. Um, it was like back in the day when we banned the Evening Standard, didn't we? Yeah, we Matthew Norman. Yeah. Change, change the Twitter password, Barty. Belend, hashtag one, something like that. <laughs> what I meant by that was, you know, it, it, I think I, I tweeted, um, he's a bit of a Belend, but he's a brilliant Belend and we'll gobble up his shit. <laughs> Something like, that. Something like that. I mean, I just think, allow it. Allow it, basically. Um, he's going to do some things that annoy me, but he's incredible and I have full faith in him. Um, and and so I'll just suck up the annoying things for however long it takes because I, I, really believe, I really believe in what he's doing at Spurs. I've seen so many improvements already and we're only a short spell into his uh, tenure. Um, it, it's, it's pretty exciting. 
Um, anything else either of you would like to say on the City game? No, I just can't get brilliant bellend out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was interesting that, that Regidon um, missed out, obviously with, with COVID. Oh, we don't know when he'll be back. But there was reporting uh, probably 10 days ago now that Real Madrid want to activate their their buyback clause. And um, that, as we know, is 40 million euros, which is at the moment around 33 million pounds. This was first reported back in October. Um, But I'm interested in this from a couple of perspectives. Firstly, I mean, I I think it makes sense that Real Madrid would be looking at Regalon, to be honest. I think he's a player who, who has improved since he's joined Spurs. I think he's a, a good player. I think he's a good character too. I think he's a kind of, um, he's not a risk for them. They they know him, they know his character, they know he's a, he seems like a good egg and, you know, very, very talented. Do you think that will impact on anything for the rest of the season for us? Does that mean that Sessegnon might get more minutes? A bit like, you know, when we knew that Kyle Walker was going to leave and um, and we, we brought Trippier through and he played more. Do you think there could be something in that? I don't think so. No, I don't. I think that we we... We operate on the assumption that he's staying in, unless we're absolutely certain. And I think that that's fine. He doesn't have to say yes to Real, does he? He can, he can reject he them. He probably will say yes. <laughs> uh, we've since yeah. been linked to, uh, oh, I'm definitely going to say his name wrong. If his name was English, it would be Borna Sosa, but he's Croatian. So there's probably like a J sound in there somewhere. Um, who plays left wing back, left back for Stuttgart. Um, and he is, uh, the second best crosser in the world from, from, from fullback after Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, but he doesn't really do any defending or <laughs> ball possession or ball carrying or dribbling. And no, he can carry the ball, but he can't dribble a man. Um, he is just like, um, David Beckham. Like, uh, there, he's David Beckham. He's oh, he's 34 year old David Beckham. There you go. Left footed. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Uh, Andreas has convinced me on the Danish podcast that um, I, I guessed it on that we should sign Joachim Mela. He, he's he's good. He's really he's big on him, and, and the fact that he can play both sides would both be sides. very useful. Solid. That's some solid scouting. Yeah, I mean, he would cost a, a decent chunk of money now, but I don't think that's a problem. To be honest, wing back's going to be a priority position. Certainly, right wing back will be a priority position this summer. We need to get a good one. I'd, I'd take Mela. For sure. I saw Harry Brooks was um, touting Livermento earlier. I, th- I would definitely take Livermento too. I think he's brilliant. I, I don't think he'd come to us. As in, you think he'll go back to Chelsea? Yeah, they have a they have a, a buy option. So if we were bidding for him, they would simply activate his clause just to keep him on their books for a year and then sell him on somewhere else. But would they? Would he want yeah. to go and compete with James? Yes, because they'll offer him double the money that we would. I just, I sure <laughs> bid for him. He's incredible, but He's really I just, good. I'm very pessimistic about our ability to land mm. like former Chelsea players. Lampy was the only one who I had any sort of confidence about, and, and he again is playing superbly at the moment. Mm-hmm. Some some of his crossing is so impressive. Nice variety of crosses too in Lampy's game. Chelsea should keep their players in my <laughs> yeah. opinion. But that, there we go. There's another podcast. For us <laughs> yeah, <to> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got we got loads of questions. We got masses of emails this past week. In fact, um, we got an, e- an interesting email from Peter Boyce uh, about the sort of Lucas situation and around sort of separating the man from the art. Um, particularly pointing out an interview that uh, Jerry Seinfeld gave gave on American TV talking about Bill Crosby, which I listened to and I thought was intriguing. And and you know, knowing some of the stuff that Lucas is is liking on Twitter. Um, 
whether we just accept that and still like him as a Spurs player, whether we can allow ourselves to do that. But I'm not going to go into that. Richard Hosey says, I have an observation about Klosevsky's style I wanted to throw out there. Not sure if you can see it at all, but I got very strong Moussa Dembele vibes from Kulu. Different players, sure, but the way he receives the ball and gets his frame between it and the opponent. Not afraid of players getting tight, but using it to his advantage to lever himself away from them, stooping and leaning into players to ease them away. That little quick-footed glide away with the ball, it gave me lovely flashbacks, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, anyone left-footed and and is good with the ball close-up is always going to make you think of Dembele. He was the master at doing that. Um, Yeah, I can see this point. I think I see Kuluseski. Yeah, I was going to say something else. Yeah, I see this, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm seeing it. I'm not sure I'm seeing it on um, the Dembele comparison. I mean, Dembele, it's it's the sort of how he holds off opposition players, which I think Richard's particularly um, getting at. And and there is something there. He's very strong, you know. When he gets once he gets in front of a player, you're not going to get back around him. Um, but the the difference I would say is that Dembele had that body swerve. He he could go either way, or he would make make the opposition player think he was going to go one way, and then he'd go the other way, and he'd be gone before he before he could blink. Um, and I, I have not seen that yet in Klesevsky. It's more that he'll kind of get to the ball first, and and then put himself between the man and the ball. Uh, but obviously, there's a lot of room for him to to grow, and I'm excited to see what he becomes. Uh, Chris Kelly says, I have a question specifically for Wendy and Bardi. No Nathan opinions. <laughs> okay. So my w- my wife is pregnant and we're expecting our first child this April. We've been working through the naming process and we're down to our final two options. Now, we got to this point not because we're looking to name our son after anyone in particular, but because we naturally like these names the best. And we've also eliminated plenty of names along the way because of terrible people we know that we wouldn't want our son to have a connection with. So the two names we are down to are Lucas and Nathan, (laughs) which is the reason for this question. What is the real Nathan like? What terrible things has he done? What bad habits, traits and opinions does he have? What is the dirt that I need to know so I can determine if the name should be eliminated as well? Let me hear it. Well, I would never, I would never out Nathan on this podcast. Um, terrible opinions he has. You, you hear him speak every week. There you go. There's enough. There's enough there. I actually do like the name Nathan. I think it's a. I think it's a nice, solid name, and it can even be um, the short version is nice as well. I like Nate. I think it's quite a cool, cool, cool name. Well, there's two. There's a lot of shortening options. You got. You got Nate. You got Nat. You got Nath. I hear all N- of them regularly. <laughs> Add that to a little bit. Yeah, um, I haven't really got a bad word to say about Nathan. <laughs> no. He's, and he's... if we did, we wouldn't say it in public. Either. No, come on. <laughs> he doesn't get up in time. He's always asleep. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, for yeah. God's sake. I mean, it's not, not his fault, but it is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually never really get hold good, of him. But... When we need to get podcasts out in the evening, it's good because the rest of us are asleep, but he's still awake, beavering away. The other ready thing, for, ready for morning. The other thing, yeah. having, having said, I haven't got a bad word to say about him. I'm going to come yeah, up with a I've, I've got yeah. some more now. Got you no, they're, 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 they're all coming to mind now. You send yeah. him, you send him a block of text. You've got a, a list of things you need Nathan to respond on. You, you, yep. you need the response as soon as possible, and it's a really important decision. And what Nathan replies with is, "Sure," <laughs> <laughs> or "Okay." My girlfriend can attest to these complaints. <laughs> Perhaps could be a little bit tidier as well. I don't see much, I don't see much of what's going on in his room, but I, <laughs> the, I the snippet, the glimpses see. you do see, you just yeah. see mess. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget that post, that um, picture Nathan posted on Twitter of his desk situation, and some of the wiring was uh, yeah. was very deeply concerning. <laughs> just cables all over the shop. Right. Is that is that enough for you, Chris? I hope it is. <laughs> I, I, I hope you make the right decision. 
Congratulations as well. Yes, many congratulations. And and we should say, we said it on the, the Q&A um, pod as well, but um, our friend Steve, one of our one of our beloved ex-subs and his partner Ellie had uh, had their first child, little girl, this weekend, um, born around the time that we were we were beating Man City, which is has got to be some sort of omen. So <laughs> many congratulations to Steve and Ellie. Congrats. Congrats. Uh, Franco from Tampa says, I've been coy since 2010 from Alan Hudson to Matt Doherty. What <laughs> drew me to Spurs all the way across the pond was a sense of community, the singing that shook the lane to dare us to do and the general solidarity among the supporters. This wasn't a bandwagon to jump on, but more of a family to join. But as you all know too well, there's been a dramatic cultural shift since Poch left. Our tight-knit family is becoming as toxic as all the other ones that we would mock, almost to the point where I... Don't know if I'm reading a tweet from a Spurs or an Arsenal supporter. What's changed over the last 12 years? Can it mostly be blamed on social media or is there a change you've noticed in the supporters themselves or are these one and the same? Is it the higher expectations that came from consistently making the Champions League and the new fans that, that it brought? It can't just be... <laughs> sure say, can it? I'm sure you're asking the same questions, but I was hoping you had some greater insider insight. Uh, your show always has a way of calming me down and rekindling that sense of community. Thank you very much for that, Franco. It's a very nice comment to make. Um, Bardi, any thoughts? It's always Spurs. To try and understand Spurs, it's it's really complicated because we are a messed up team. But I, I was thinking, we've always there has always been fractions of the fan base. There's always going to be split. That's just the way it is. If even in my time of supporting Spurs under Venables. There was a huge split between the board and supporting the managers against the board. And then we go from a manager like Ozzy Ardiles, who brings in this incredible attacking flair football, but that's terrible. It's, we've got to get us relegated. Then we replace that with Jerry Francis. And we go through these kind of phases of really good and really bad. But for the most part in my life, we've just been really bad. So there's no, there's, there's no split between us because we all kind of agree that after one month of the season, that's it, it's all over. There's nothing left to kind of hope for. With Spurs at the moment, our, our, our kind of relevance in the season lasts 38 games because there's always something still to fight for. So I think that's where the biggest change has been, that that wanting to achieve something is so much closer and we can do it. So the disappointment when we don't do it is is there. Whereas before, we would just be happy with a cup run or two. And that, that was our goals for the season. Our goals have lifted, which does mean our disappointment is also greater. But I don't think we're that toxic. We haven't been at the new stadium that long, but there has been occasions when it, it sounds like old White Hart Lane and there is this kind of vibe there. And under Conte, I believe that we could turn this around and there'll be a lot more positivity around the football. We're talking about Jack feeling disconnected with Tottenham. If we keep winning games like we did on Saturday, then everybody's going to just join together and, and be, be as one. I was actually going to make a comment completely contradictory to that, which is I think part of the problem is is the the move of stadium. I really do. I think um, it's going to take some time to get back to what we had at the old, what we had the old White Hart Lane. Wasn't always that good. That's we we look back at these rose tinted glasses. It wasn't always that good, Windy Man. There were some bad games, and like the email at the start said, we booed a lot. We there it wasn't always perfect at Old White Hart Lane. There was many games where it was quiet. AVB calling us out for being really quiet and stuff. Yeah, it wasn't all this. It wasn't always kind of the seats rattling and the the sound going up to the rafters and things. That is true. That is um, complete true. And I, I remember going to games where there was barely any atmosphere at times. Um, barely anyone there. In some yeah, games. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But when it was when it was good, when it was good, it was really good. Um, and it I, and I do feel like we've lost we've lost something in that move. Um, I think also. We're really struggling for songs. I know it sounds like a really um, flippant point to make, but you know, we, we 
Ericsson and Delhi had two of the catchiest Spurs songs, didn't they? And and they would get they would pick take off a lot. Um, and you lose those two players with their good songs, and it does make a difference to the atmosphere, I think. And um, we lost Sissoko as well. He had a song. Dembele had a song. Yeah, the, I mean, this is it. I, and I think we um, we we're not the best for getting new songs uh, to catch on. I think we're quite, we're getting better. There, there's a couple of Twitter accounts, and I'll put them in the the show notes because I can't remember them now. But they're they're both trying to create some some new songs and get them going which it, I think that's important I think it's really important for for a fan base to to have something fun to sing once you know when things aren't going great but the the top no, sorry go on. I want to say the one thing the best Spurs song that ever existed was I think was your Stambouli song that never it never kicked off obviously for obvious reasons I think you had a brilliant Stambouli song do you want to give us a rendition no I had a Vlad Kirikesh song which is the greatest thing I've ever done in my entire life <laughs> <laughs> which was um, strolling up the pitch is super Vlad Kirikas. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's the one. Yeah, that's great. Still doing bits of Kirikas. He, he beat um, Inter Milan this weekend. Yeah, that, I think that was my finest moment ever, to be honest. And I did try and get it going at a game and a couple of people joined in, but it didn't take off. <laughs> um, I think he wasn't the player that most people wanted to get behind. That was part of the problem. <laughs> um, uh, just about the toxicity on social media. Um I, I, so I think there's a couple of issues here. Firstly, um, social media companies benefit from toxicity. And so they create situations where toxicity thrives. You know, the way things trend, for example, that's, that's, a, that's going to lead to polarizing, um, the polarizing of opinions naturally, I think. And we're, 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 we're happy to lean into that, aren't we? You know, you, you, you tend to stand by your clan, um, and, People don't often meet in the middle on issues, which is a, which is a problem, and I'm guilty of it myself. Um, but also, I think a lot of people have given up on 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 Koi's Twitter. I think a lot of the the sort of sensible, logical voices have either stopped tweeting or are tweeting less because they just can't be bothered with the the sort of responses they're met with, um, and and that's a problem. And, and also, I definitely think that the sort of Mourinho period did did leave us in a sorry state on Twitter. Um, it was very divisive. Obviously, we knew that would happen. We then had the Mourinho cultists, and actually, um, a lot of pro regular Spurs fans who were pro Mourinho sort of joined in with the cultists and and became part of the the wider cult, which was an issue as well. I saw Chris Summersell today got uh, targeted by a couple of Mourinho cultists, which you know Chris is the most lovely man there is. <laughs> And and what he tweeted was completely uncontroversial and not even about Mourinho. And and yeah, he was getting quotes tweeted by some some Mourinho lifelong Roma fans, mate. <laughs> lifelong Roma diehards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nathan. Anything Those... anything you'd want to add to this? I remember the feeling like after we'd been in the Champions League with Harry Redknapp, we had a like a really strong run of things, and then in the period of time after that, uh, like second season AVB. Sherwood, things felt really awful, and the fan base mm. felt really awful. Sherwood, God, yeah, felt really awful. And then, and then the team improved, and the community improved as well. So maybe this, maybe, maybe just some patience and things to turn around. But uh, I don't know. The the extra inch Discord's a pretty good community. Not so much the live match road. Stay out of there, obviously. That's <laughs> but but otherwise, um, football discussions. Fred is yeah. also can swing. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, maybe not then. Are, are we promoting the Discord here or not? <laughs> I, I think but it's good. I, I think it's good as well, but it can get a little bit... No, it can be a bit it's, funny. It's though. football fans being football fans, isn't it? But yeah. but, the, but there is. I will say this, there, there's not the same level of uh, dunking on people. Yeah. You know, people, sure. people have very different views, very different views. Which but, is um, fine. But there's a lot of respect mm. for, for one another's opinions. I think so. I think the majority so, yeah. of the time. And... and if it ever gets too out of out of hand, then then Nathan gives everyone timeouts, which uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, he rules it with an iron fist. I'm not in, afraid um, in, to, to make a decision, Wendy. Yeah, absolutely. In Discord, we don't have the the gatekeeping of, of what's proper, and I think I yeah. think the big part with Koi's Twitter is there. There's groups of people who who think they're the gatekeepers of what's proper and what yeah. needs to be done at football and what, how football should be seen, and it's not like that. They um they start talking about assists and everything else and they're all they're doing they they're becoming stat nerds as well. So um you're allowed to take football in however you want. Football is a game and it's up to the viewer to perceive it and take it in however they choose. So there's no such thing in their little lives of what what how we should all watch this game. So that's the problem out there. Just just ignore them, just mute them, and just um try and enjoy Tottenham. Well said, well said. Uh, I wanted to give a, a quick shout out to TJB two six hundred and bubbling underscore along for the very lovely itunes reviews that was super sweet um we've not had itunes reviews for a while so when they popped up that was that was great got an email about that uh and i I very much enjoyed reading them so thank you both very much and uh and now you'll hear my discussion with with rosanna so i'm joined by rosanna from literacy pirates which is a a charity based i was going to say parity because i'm thinking (laughs) of pirates (laughs) A charity based in Tottenham, um, and we've just been talking about it. It sounds absolutely wonderful, and we'd like to share what they do with listeners of The Extra Inch. So, Rosanna, could you tell us a little bit about the charity and sort of where where it began and, and what you do? Of course. So, The Literacy Pirates is a pirate-themed educational charity, and we work with 9 to 13-year-olds that are falling behind at school and have fewer opportunities, and they attend our after-school program where they get support from our amazing volunteers um, and they get to practice reading and they also create a published product so they make a film a book and a podcast all of which are published that's an amazing thing to be able to offer to children I mean straight away you're sort of engaging the creative part of their brain but then they've also got something to show for it at the end which is lovely Yes. And then in terms of a bit more of our history and how we came to Tottenham, we started in Hackney about 10 years ago. And then in 2019, we moved into Harringay. Harringay um, is the borough, obviously, um, where Tottenham's based. And it's the fourth most deprived borough in London. And attainment is particularly low among um, black boys and those from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, So it seemed like the perfect place for us to go and um yeah we've been in tottenham since 2019 we run um our program from a dedicated center which is just a couple of minutes away from the stadium and um unfortunately we had to shut our doors in 2020 because of the lockdown um so we're kind of rebuilding and making sure we can get extra volunteers to support the program amazing um, it sounds like it's it's the perfect home for this charity for, for the reasons you stated. Uh, are you able to say what kind of impact this has on the children's lives? Yeah, so um, the children will attend the programme for a year and then over the course of the nine months that they attend the programme, they make 16 months progress. 
Um, so most of the children we work with are on average a year behind, um, but that can range from 11 months to 29 months. Um, so being able to catch them up um, a year within a more than a year within a school year um, just puts them into the best position for entering into secondary school and kind of getting key GCSEs and just being able to kind of continue with their education in a positive way. Absolutely, because the problem is, of course, with schooling is once you're behind, it's very difficult to catch up. And actually, um, it's dis- it's kind of it has a disproportionate effect then, doesn't it? You fall f- further and further behind and become more and more disengaged. Exactly. Yeah, we're trying to get them at this age so that we can have this positive impact. We can have all these amazing adult role models that can get them excited about learning. Um, so that they are able to kind of believe in themselves and achieve both at school and in the world beyond. Awesome. And the reason we're speaking is that you're kind of on a recruitment drive for volunteers. So you're looking for for people, potentially listeners to the Extra Inch, to volunteer to help out at this after school club. Um, tell, me, tell me a little bit about what the requirements would be and what kind of activities people would be involved in. Yes. So obviously I'm aware that Spurs fans come from all over the world, um, but they will need to be UK-based volunteers. Um, but we run sessions online and also in our Tottenham Centre um, and volunteers will come along uh, for three hours, so from 3.45 till 6.45, um, and they will support the Young Pirates, that's the name of the kids that we work with, um, or the name we give them, <laughs> um, and volunteers will support with reading and writing. Um, and the sessions run Monday to Friday, so every weekday. Amazing. So I have volunteered before, not at not at your uh, charity, but it was... I did it for a couple of years and I found it incredibly rewarding, um, really good for kind of um, releasing endorphins and making you feel good. Uh, but not only that, it's it's genuinely like a really good developmental thing. I learned a lot um, through doing it. What what would you say that people would learn from, from doing this? I definitely say people learn a lot about working with children. A lot of our volunteers have never done that before, um, but are just looking for a way to have a positive impact on their community. Um, So that's one great thing that you can learn. We actually have had a few people that have gone on to train to be teachers, having never thought about it before. Um, And also it's just kind of a positive, fun space. So people get to have an impact, but then also meet like-minded individuals and feel more part of the community. Absolutely. And so what should people do if they were interested? So if anyone's interested, we'd definitely like to hear from them. Um, And all you need to do is go to our website, which is literacypirates.org. And if you go to the volunteer part of the website, so literacypirates.org slash volunteer, um, you'll then find a sign-up form um, and you just need to give us a few details, your interest, um, a bit more information about yourself, and then you'll be directed to book on to our online training sessions. Um, and then we'll complete a DBS check for you. That's a criminal record check. Um, and then once that's all gone through and is clear, you'll be able to book sessions and join us in our centres. Amazing. And if anyone does register and end up volunteering, um, we'd love you to sort of tell Rosanna and her colleagues that you came from the extra inch and perhaps you know perhaps we can get in touch with you if you end up doing it it'll be lovely to speak to someone who who was able to work with this charity and and help out um, to hear about about the kind of impact on children's lives in the Tottenham area. Rosanna thank you so much really really lovely talking to you. Thank you so much we salute the extra inch.
You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.